Hey everybody, welcome to another amazing episode of The Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Ash Thorpe, joined by Andrew Harlick, and this is going to be episode 125 with Paramount Animation Art Director, Mingju Helen Chen, who joins us this week to discuss her early influences and how she got her start as an illustrator. We talk about the importance of her creating meaningful work for herself and the nebulous role technology plays in our industry. We also nerd out a bit about being yourself and our love of nostalgic items from our childhood. Today's episode is brought to you by Learn Squared. Learn Squared is an educational platform that is very unique in its approach to how we learn and teach. Uh, we have industry-leading professionals teaching one another their tricks and secrets and openly sharing it with everybody. In doing so, we also talk about what we think is uh, our take on talent and how we think that it all comes down to really just hard work, focus, and curiosity. Classes have begun and you can sign up and join with us at any time. Learn at your own pace and enjoy the journey at LearnSquared.com. Really looking forward to seeing you all there and your growth, not only as creatives, but as people. Here we go, everybody. Episode 125 with Mingju Chen. Let's roll. Well, I mean, there's there's really so much to talk about. You've you've done so much work. You've done so many things. What I really uh, would love to hear and talk a little bit about, I'm sure people that are listening to that are fans of your work, it'd, it'd be great to get a little bit of perhaps, you know, how did you come to be the person that you are doing the things that you're doing now? Is this something that you've, have you been drawing since a kid? Did you have it in your family? Is there somebody that inspired you? But what was the pivotal kind of thing that you remember from your childhood that kind of spawned this? Um, well, it's kind of interesting because, uh, I I wouldn't say that doing art or being an artist really runs in my family, but, but at the same time, I actually have a twin sister and she's doing the exact same thing I am. Oh, wow. Um, so we both decided to go into art. Uh, and, and I feel like we start the way a lot of people do, especially, um, people who kind of grew up, you know, um, in the nineties, like I did. Which is, I got super into Dragon Ball Z and anime and Sailor Moon, and that's what I would draw at school when I was bored and didn't want to pay attention to math. <laughs> and uh, and it eventually kind of got to a point where I couldn't really see myself doing anything else. I mean, um, I, I I just, even now, I, I don't know what I would do. You know, I just, I'm not really good at anything else. I was an okay student, but it's not like I had a passion for chemistry or whatever you know and so um this was literally one of my only options yeah and this is something that's just felt much more natural for you to do than you had like a did you is there also like a possible like an artist or somebody that you um like came upon that kind of i don't know got you inspired you could see because a lot of the times i think with people that do what you do um, there was say an artist that really spoke to them or, or did something that they realized like, wow, I didn't know that this was even existed. You know, this is possible to draw comics for a living or make animated films for a living or inspire people with their imaginations for a living. Was there something like that as well that kind of pushed you in, in this direction? Uh, well, I mean, it, there's been a, a lot of those moments, especially when I started going to art school and I was more exposed to, all these different people who were really good at what they do. But I think if I were to have to go back earlier than that, um, it wouldn't, it wasn't so much a specific person, but maybe a, like a culture or something, because I was really into Japanese animation. Um, that's kind of what started it all, 
you know, and, and, um, I would, you know, copy those drawings for hours just cause, um, but I mean, uh, and, but, but like, uh, I, I guess it's, it's hard for me to kind of answer just because I didn't really know what I was going to do with drawing until I was maybe halfway through college. Hmm. Um, by that time, I mean, I knew that, you know, we had all the foundation courses of figure drawing and all this other stuff and just, um, being exposed to the masters, you know, Sergeant Zorn, all of those guys, um, was really great. I mean, I love their work, but I didn't know what that meant for me that would be applicable for applicable for myself as a career until about maybe halfway through college when I discovered that, you know, there were people who worked on films that drew and, um, and, and I actually wasn't that into American comics. Um, I was more into, you know, Japanese comics and that never seemed viable because, <laughs> you know, you'd have to like move to Japan and work crazy hours or something like that, you know? So, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I, di- I didn't really have a, have a, have a like career goal type of a thing for art. And it's just, I've been fortunate to have the luxury of finding it on my way, mm. but, um, but I, but I don't know that there was like a specific person I was emulating for this type of work because I wasn't exposed to it until like much later. Gotcha. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Are you, do you still follow manga and anime and, and what are some of your favorites? Um, I don't so much anymore. Uh, once in a while I'll come upon some like that everybody's talking about or something like the most popular one. I kind of fell out of it when it started to become more about like um, the slice of life type of anime or something like that. But I mean, I watched attack on Titan. That was pretty cool. Um, I haven't seen that. Everybody's been talking about that. Yeah. It, it, it's basically the ones that people talk about. It's where like, like giant oh, okay, naked like, beasts like eating humans, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's so actually, Japanese. <laughs> it's, it's like horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it's actually pretty horrifying, but you know, do you think um, from the outside looking in without knowing much about it, it seems very me- metaphorical. You know, yeah. like the beast coming in and eating and like just having to fight these savage monsters and stuff like, yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and I mean, I haven't gotten super far into it. Um, mm. and I, and I don't know all of the theories and whatever the mystery is, but it, but it does seem like it's that whole Japanese idea that the monsters are reflections of humans. Yes, like they're connected, you know, and of course that's what it is, you know, or that's what it feels like. Yeah. But don't quote me on that. I don't actually know. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. It's okay. It still seems like it'd be fun to watch. It just, it was really odd. I have a hard time actually personally getting into the newer stuff. Uh, I think there's a difference in mindset as far as the creators and visionaries from that time. The last, yeah. the last episode season of like, not episode, but um, uh, the last thing I really got into, like I love is Cowboy Bebop. But Cowboy Bebop is mm. such an authentic breed of just epic <laughs> it's just so right. special it's such a do you are you a fan of cowboy bebop yeah i mean um not as much as um other things i think my one of my all-time favorites is full metal alchemist oh yeah full um, metal alchemist is good more than anything else but i think those two are examples of um like anime and manga that have a specific voice you yeah, know yeah like they feel very kind of like um just not following certain trends or whatever they have their own kind of um even you know how even like directors have styles and the way that they direct a movie is very distinct um yeah. like i feel like those two have you know a voice that besides just 
being a Japanese animation, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. There's definitely more dynamics and a different kind of voice and rhythm to those for sure. And I think that's the soul of the creator themselves and how aware of right. the world and just the, their palette and everything too, which I, I find yeah. fascinating. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, for me personally, uh, manga and anime is something really big for me growing up. Um, cause I grew up in Hawaii and it's like, um, it's very Japanese culture, like very powerful there in, in comparison to say over here in the mainland. So it was like, a, it was kind of common to read, uh, or like watch Dragon Ball Z, for example. I know yeah. it, was, it was like Dragon Ball Z was one of the big things that kept Power Rangers is another one that like made it over here and was successful. Yeah. But yeah, definitely, definitely those. And yeah, it's interesting that's, to see the change. Yeah, that's awesome that you, you're from Hawaii. Actually, my fiance is from Hawaii, too. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Is is that Ryan? Is that who you're yes. talking about? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I've, I've heard about Ryan from so many different people. Um, I'm always like one person away from meeting him. Seems like he's a really phenomenal, <laughs> he's a phenomenal artist, that guy. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> it's great. Hi. The two of you, man, you take over the world with your abilities. Yeah, it's funny. We actually met in school. Okay. And it was, uh, and, and so that's like eight years ago, right? Art Center? Um, uh, no, actually Academy of Art. Okay. And it was crazy because um, uh, it was right around the time when, um, you know, when you're like a freshman, you come out of your high school and you're like the best artist in your high school without <laughs> yeah. knowing, you know, that there's a ton of other people out there who are probably way better. Yeah. But you come from this really small kind of like pond. And then Ryan was one of the first ones where like I was a where I could see his work and I was like, Oh God, this guy's like a hundred percent better than I am. And that <laughs> unacceptable. And it like made me work a lot harder. No. Um, and we still kind of have like a weird um, rivalry thing, but it's, you know, it's kind of mellowed out and mm. doesn't get in the way. So that's good. Well, congrats to you guys. That's really cool. <laughs> that's gotta yeah. be really interesting. I always find it fascinating when uh, my, my wife and I are pretty opposite as far as our skill sets and abilities. I find it interesting when you have two artists together, um, either, either works really well or it doesn't work at all and it clashes and end up, ends up blowing up, but it takes a lot of communication and, and a lot of understanding, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think it does help that, um, our, what we do, just what we personally prefer to do is so different. Yeah. Um, I, I think that helps a lot. And so, you know, and, and there are definitely things that he does that are way better. And then the, like, even the way that we approach things is pretty different. He's pretty analytical and I'm more, um, kind of, uh, I, I guess, I guess a, a nice sounding word for it would be intuitive, but it makes it sound too fancy. I just kind of <laughs> guess and like waddle my way through hmm. and hope that it works out. But, uh, <laughs> but he's very analytical about what he does and why he does it, you know? Yeah, definitely. We can definitely see it in his work and stuff too. He's very, mm -hmm. yeah. But at the same time, I wouldn't think that from you as well, like, especially like say, um, some of the set designs and the overall, like just the paintings and the quality of the paintings and the technicality of achieving these paintings and say Wreck-It Ralph and stuff. Um, the work that you provided for that, the stuff that I've seen is really quite technical too, but yeah, maybe you're being a typical artist and underselling yourself. So <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> yeah, that's um, cool. You guys go yeah. back to Hawaii much? Uh, once in a while, his family's still there, so we visit. The Big Island or like Oahu or? Oahu. Okay, cool. Very yeah. cool. Yeah, I need to go back. I miss it. I try to go there at least once a year. It's been a couple of years now. So yeah, I'm like dying inside to go back home. So 
Can't wait. Yeah. It's either it's either Hawaii or Minnesota where I'm from. So we oh, usually wow. go with Hawaii. Clash. Clash yeah. of differences. Yeah. How was it growing up in Minnesota? And why uh, why Minnesota? Um, it was just, you know, when my where my dad was transferred when he got a new job. Um before that we lived in like Pennsylvania, but we but for the most part I consider Minnesota my hometown. Okay. It's just very safe and suburban and pretty sheltered. I don't know. It's not very interesting. Well, that's interesting though, because I am, we have my wife and I, we have our daughter and we're, we live in a very clean, safe, quiet, suburban place. And it's quite different from the, what I grew up with. My, I was raised by a single mom. So we had all kinds of diversity and interesting things happen in my (laughs) childhood. And, um, I'm always wondering, uh, is this, is this good to be so sheltered and, and to be like this? And, is it not? And constantly, um, wondering, I think part of it is maybe good. Obviously you don't have to deal with, you know, the horrors of reality in the world and be inundated with that as a, as a, as a kid, mm-hmm. maybe you can deal with that. Those much more complex things as a, as an, as an adult, I imagine. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's always something that I think about I'm constantly contemplating like, Hmm, I wonder what that's like, you know, the difference of this stuff is, you know, yeah, but, yeah. whether you shelter your kids, if it's bad or not. But sorry, I'm running on the tangents. <laughs> this is a late night podcast, everybody. Not late night. It's actually 10 o'clock, but late night's like three o'clock. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew's laughing. He knows. Yeah. He's, he's up with me at the same time we're talking. So, but mm-hmm. um, no, I'd love to talk more about kind of, you know, you've, you have quite a few really big projects under your belt now. Um, like where, where are you at? Um, like, I guess I could say the word spiritually with your work, like, where are you at now? Where, where are you going with your work? Um, that's, a that's kind of, that's a pretty big question. I mean, um, I've, I've only just started feeling a little bit more comfortable. Um, you know, I, I was actually just talking about this with somebody else. They asked me if I feel like I've improved in the last few years. And, and I, and when I was thinking about it, it kind of felt like, maybe technically like the technical aspects of my drawings haven't improved as much as I might have liked. But I do think what has improved is um, being more confident about how I can communicate ideas through um, art. Like it's, um, I don't, I I don't usually find myself um, like just kind of sitting there not being sure of what to draw or paint. Um, I've, I've become a little bit better about putting stuff onto paper, you know, or, you know, Photoshop or whatever. So, um, I, and I, and I think that shift for me personally came when I, um, realized that I didn't really feel like the need to impress everybody all the time. Mm. Because when you first get it's into, yeah. when I first got hired at Disney, it was very, um, it was very nerve wracking. You know, you're at a studio with all these world-class artists and you somehow have to keep up. And so, um, you know, it was very, uh, I was very conscious of that my entire, that's why when you look at my portfolio, actually you can kind of see it. The, the paintings that are most labored over are the ones that came from when I first started at Disney, which is Record Ralph. Mm. Um, and, uh, Paper Man was a little bit of a different situation, so I wouldn't count mm. that in there. But. Can't wait to talk about that. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. Yeah, it, it's beautiful. It's, it's up there with me too. I mean, it's one of my most favorite projects that I've been a part of. That's um, awesome. But yeah, I mean, if you look at the paintings from my portfolio um, on, on Big Hero 6, you'll notice that it, I've loosened up a lot since Wreck-It Ralph. And it's not because I don't enjoy the more kind of technical aspects of doing a very polished piece. 
um, cause that can be fun in and of itself. But I do feel like, um, I, it, it's less labored and less self-conscious in general. And I think that that's helped me. And, um, and, and another thing too, is like, I went through this whole phase in college of not admitting that I loved anime and all this other stuff because <laughs> it was kind of frowned upon. Yeah. And then at some point, and I think it was right after, um, I started to get more comfortable with little Disney. I was like, fuck it. I don't care what other people think. I love Sailor Moon. I'm going to draw me some Sailor Moon and it makes me happy. So many people you love know? Sailor Moon too. <laughs> yeah. It's like, a, it's like, a, I didn't Especially have Andrew. that like very kind of immature mindset of being afraid of seeing what I liked. Does that and come with so, time? You think, is that a, is that a uh, lifetime thing that just grows with maturity and, and experience? You think that's what it is? I think so. And maybe just a little bit of, um, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm making a, you know, I'm not like, it's not like I'm in my mom's basement drawing anime all day. You know, I have a job where I do, um, you know, things of all sorts of different styles. And so when I want to relax and not think about it, um, it's pretty comforting to do, you know, like just some drawings of things that I like that come naturally as kind of like a breather from whatever the marathon was that day of drawing, because I don't naturally enjoy drawing, um, you know, super perfectly perspective out, perspective out buildings. Yeah. You know, and so, um, so, it, yeah, it got to a point where I just didn't care anymore. I was like, if I want to do this, I'm going to do this. At what point? How many years had you been um, in this industry or creating until that kind of you had that switch inside? Um, I think it was between Rick and Ralph and Big Hero Six, and you can kind of see it too. I mean, like, uh, I didn't really. Like I'm pretty big now into social media with uh, like I, I do all of it, pretty probably overdoing it, you know, to an extent. But I do, <laughs> do all of it. You have like the Twitter and Instagram and all that. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, I do. Um, and and um, and actually, they started around the same time, and it was all around the time because I up until then I hadn't done a lot of personal work. It was either schoolwork or uh, you know work for work, and yeah. I didn't really draw for myself in between there. And then um, so I got the Instagram and Twitter and all this other stuff and started painting for myself more. And I think that's when I really, you know, felt a little bit more confident with myself as an artist. And I, I have no delusions about, um, you know, <laughs> what I do. I am, um, when I paint a picture of Sailor Moon, it's not because I'm trying to change the world. Um, <laughs> but I, you but enjoy I, it though, right? Yeah. But it's something that I do enjoy and it helps me unwind from work. And so I just became a little bit more comfortable with that idea and, a little bit less judgy too, as a person, That's um, good. you know, because I feel like artists are always like, Oh, the person's doing the same thing all the time. And then, and I was thinking about it. I was like, so who cares if that's what they like to do, then that's what they like to do, you know? And yeah. I, so I, I, I find that, um, and it helps make me a little bit less of a judgy person as well. Yeah. I think if you can hide it or if you can hold it back in your own self and have self-reflection and not be so judgmental, it actually, um, it's a double thing, like where you yourself will grow from that because a lot of the times that I've noticed with myself, if I'm ever judge, judgmental and when I do get judgmental on either other people, it's usually because it's something inside of me that I don't like, or it's something inside mm -hmm. of me that I don't, 
I haven't acknowledged it or faced yet. And kind of like how the breakthrough for you is like, Hey, well, I'm really into this nerdy kind of thing. It's from my childhood. It's very sincere to me and I don't really care. I'm just going to go and enjoy it, you know, whether people Mm -hmm. like it or not, but that breakthrough, you're able to make this great work. That's really honest. And for me personally, as an observer of art and a creator of it, I find that the best work ever created always from people is the most honest, sincere and direct work always. Mm -hmm. It never ceases to be that. And, and people that try to change it or fake it or kind of seize that, it's like takes the life right out of that work usually. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, like being at Disney, one of the their biggest, you know, kind of muses is Mary Blair. And I actually yeah, didn't grow amazing. up with, um, with, with her aesthetic or a lot of Disney films even. And so I found that when I tried to emulate her in some way it just never felt honest it just felt forced it never felt you know um well designed or anything and it and and it's like i i'm better off not doing that and doing something else and, sure. and it's and it's because i you know i just didn't have a strong connection to it while i totally appreciate her genius and why everybody loves it um it, it is hers and it's not mine and uh and if i just try and copy the surface it just feels really um like weak you yeah know, like, it's almost contrary to actually what she would probably enforce maybe you yeah know? exactly like be yourself and find your own mary blair style you know mm-hmm. how can yeah. you Frazetta says he's i always quote him on this one it's one of my favorites and i always tell people this whenever i encounter it um but i always he always said like why be a because you know how many people would copy Frazetta and he basically mm-hmm. said, like, why be a, a second-rate Frazetta when you can be a first-rate you? Right. And I always thought that was brilliant. And it's very honest and true. And it's when every, when I, th- I think I found that right at the perfect time where I was looking at his work too much, emulating and studying too much. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, fuck, he's talking to me. Like, like this, is, <laughs> this is great. He's he actually telling and He knows that I'm looking at his work too much. And he's saying, like, don't be, <laughs> don't be unauthentic, you know, like, right. you know, be yourself. Uh, yeah. It's But that's really tough and challenging, right? You know, like, yeah. like the moment you said that, you know, fuck it, I like Sailor Moon. I'm going to draw Sailor Moon. Um, and taking that moment to yourself to kind of just be in your own mode, being okay with not trying to, you know, like you said, like jokingly, but it's true. We're not saving the world here. You know, we're creating imagery at some, in some point, I think we're adding little joys or little gems of happiness or inspiration into other people's lives or Mm -hmm. possibly inspiring them to do something else with them, with their life. Um, but yeah, for the most part, being realistic about it, it's really, yeah. Yeah, and that's why it's great to have, like you mentioned before, Paperman is one of those things where yes. I feel like it's not something that I personally could have done. You know, like I just, I just didn't, it, I was just not in a place or had the skill set or whatever to do it. But because John did, and I was at Disney at the right time, that I was allowed to be a part of something really special. You it's know, so special. It's such yeah. a. If you're listening to this, you don't know what Paperman is. Please just Google it and watch it. It's amazing. It's. Uh, it's one of those projects that comes along um, very rare, I think, personally. Um, just There's a lot of amazing work, obviously, being made. But this is this is that project that it's one of those things, like I was mentioning prior. Um, I just feel like there's a lot of honest intention here and a lot of just, just brilliance happening. Um, and I yeah. feel like there's a synergy. Was that how it felt when you were creating this stuff with the team? Oh man, I, like I can't even tell you. It's it's got a it's one of my favorite projects because it was details. just so details. Give us like, details. <laughs> it was just so like clear. Um, John knew what he wanted. Uh, Jeff Turley, the art director, 
Um, he is probably one of the best illustrators, you know, out there right now. And, and he taught me so much on this project. A lot of the things I learned on this project, I carry with me now, you know, and, and, um, and I, I actually firmly believe that I would have never been hired at Disney if not for John and Jeff giving me the chance to work on paper, man, um, because they took a, took a chance on me. I was only a trainee then. Mm. Um, they didn't know if I didn't know if, you know, I was going to get hired, but, um, because John and Jeff had me on their project and, um, you know, I loved working with them so much. They really went to bat for me when it came, came down to whether or not Disney was going to hire me. And they went into, you know, whatever review they have with people and really, um, advocated for me. And I think that's why I got hired at Disney at all. That's so cool. So that, yeah, then that's, I mean, that's, I love hearing those kind of stories because it means that those Jeff and John had an understanding. They had a, they knew what they needed and they could see potential. And I always think that, um, personally, when I work with a team of people, I would rather have somebody that might not necessarily have all the experience, but has the drive and aspiration and energy to push forward and willingness to learn and grow. Um, because that usually yields like the best collaborations usually. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, it just went so smoothly. Like I, I've actually been fortunate to um, have always, like every project I've been on, I've enjoyed working with the people. Um, I've never had a bad experience with the boss or anything like that. So I'm, I feel like I'm very fortunate for that. That's awesome. Um, but paper man was just, it, it was just so much fun. It was so fast. And, um, and I feel like it's probably one of the projects I got to learn the most from. And that's mostly because of Jeff. That's so cool. Do you think that, um, is there some kind of ingredient there? Uh, do you, have you done like self-reflection on like, what is it that made this so special in comparison to other things? Like, I know I'm sure you've had really great things happen with other projects, but as you're talking about this, I can hear the excitement and there's gotta be something unique there to that. And I wonder, do you think it's replicatable or is that just like once every five years or something mm-hmm. or, you know, what's your thoughts on that? I think it definitely comes down to the people and actually the biggest thing is trust. Mm. Like, uh, and I, and I think the projects where it does get tough is when there isn't a lot of trust there. Yeah. Um, but John had a full trust in Jeff and then Jeff in turn had trust in all of the artists that were working for him. Um, it was, it was me and a, a bunch of other people as well doing all these backgrounds and, um, it was very non micromanagey, you know, um, they trusted our sensibilities, um, and, and I think that's a big part of it. Um, all, all of the projects where I feel like I've grown the most are projects where I felt like the, the, my supervisor or my boss or whoever had a lot of trust in me and allowed me to kind of explore. Um, and, and I think that that's kind of the formula. I mean, um, with the great idea, that helps too. But for me personally, I feel like it's a lot of maybe like even 80% of just getting the right chemistry of people involved, you know, couldn't agree more. I think that's, that's really what it is. That's the formula. It's trust, communication, clarity, vision, mm-hmm. all those things combined with a great team. You're going to have yeah. something really amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard. I think it's really challenging for that to be accomplished, to be honest. I think it's really, um, to, to get all those ingredients together in one, but man, you definitely feel it in that piece. It's just got such amazing synergy, top notch, like, classic high level mastery of animation and uh i loved the idea that um they really love this style of the art that's 
pre like refined, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. I, I think right. it's, I, I find it to be beautiful personally as an artist and creator. Cause it's always that one step before the, the one that like the normal people get to see. This is, yeah. this is the artist movie, you know? And, um, definitely yeah, it blew me away. I pretty sure. I, I think I was in a movie theater when it came up and I was like, wow, like this is so amazing. It, when the things like that come up, they always make me feel regret that I'm not working at a studio doing things like this. I always felt like, damn, like I wish I was a part of that somehow that looked like that was a lot of work, but a lot of fun to create. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's probably, <laughs> it's probably like another reason I think it, it works so well is it's probably one of the most curated pieces of animation because each background and uh, each kind of scene is, um, is designed, you know, because because we weren't kind of constrained by setting a global light in CG and not being able to move it around. Yeah, you know, we um, and and a lot of it has to do with Jeff planning it out through his uh, lighting keys. Mm. But but every scene that we painted is is designed to make that scene look the best that it could be, you know. Yeah, and so it's awesome. like a very curated piece of um, animation, which is which I think is, you know, very hard to do on a large scale, but when it's done in a short, it's, it, it has a lot of effect. Yes. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's, it's perfectly put together as like, just this really, I think I, like even just looking at like, let's say the work on your website, every piece is like this standalone illustration that can tell a story within itself. And, uh, that's one thing I really loved about the co- compositional work, the camera movement, the setting, the pacing, the mood. I mean, all in all, I mean, it's like I say, there's, there's a couple of films out there. I, I consider the Incredibles to be a perfect animation film. Oh yeah. It's just perfection. Really? It's like, I wouldn't change it a is. thing about it. That's, yeah. that's really crazy because I've watched it so many times and I've analyzed it and dissected it. And I think Brad Bird and everybody at Pixar, that was a part of that. Just really, Man, they just made a perfect. They made a perfect film. It's crazy, and I, I think they did too. We actually just, uh, actually just made the the artists at, um, that I work with uh, watch the movie like a couple weeks ago, and we just talked about what made it so awesome. Like yeah. we just like freeze framed it. And was like, okay, do you see what they did here? It's fucking genius. Yeah, it is. And it's it brilliant. was, uh, <laughs> and and a lot of the scenes are like that. It's it's so perfectly well thought out and. It, it's just so strong, you know, even just in the storytelling, like, um, when the parents are fighting at the house in the beginning and just the dynamics of that scene, it's a, it's supposed to be a quote unquote child's movie, but it's geared towards adults at certain times in a very mature way. Mm-hmm. But it also does this very honest thing that happens that I don't think that a lot of these films are pay attention to doing. And I think Brad, is very keen and his writers are very smart in bringing those things to the table. So not only on the animation side of things, composition and and movement and speed and pacing, I mean, that's all genius and brilliant. Um, but I think also in, in the honest soul of the creative writing essence of that and the acting and the setting and it just like, Man, it is really. If you have, if you're listening, you haven't watched that film in a while. Go watch it. It's a masterpiece film. It, it still really holds is. up, by the way. Yeah. Like, oh hell yeah! It, it, it still like looks a amazing. Little bit of dating, but it's totally negligible. It like, is. When you're watching it, you don't even notice it because it's so tightly put together. Only people like us that would, you know, like study this stuff and go nuts and berserko over it. You can see, like, oh, the hair. You know, the hair looks kind of a little wonky right there. But at the same time, it's like, it's, does it, it's kind of that style. So it's kind of okay yeah. for it to be what it is, you know? So 
Yeah, that film's so epic. I, I try to put it on. I'm actually like I'm looking down. My wife and daughter got me a Mr. Incredible shirt. <laughs> I just wear it around when I work. So I got my Mr. Incredible shirt. That's ironic that I'm talking about it. Maybe because I saw it. I've been really um, secretly wanting to do uh, like a Saul Bass kind of a Catch Me If You Can style. Um, oh, yeah. Title sequence, like redoing the title sequence in my own like style. And that'd be a lot of fun. But it's like one of my passion projects that I have on my list. It's pretty close. Um, maybe next year I'll start doing it. It would be a lot of fun. That's awesome. Speaking of title sequences, are you working with uh, Carlos Baena? Um, maybe. I don't know. Am I? Oh, okay. <laughs> I hey, work with a mind. lot of people, but um, no, I don't know. I don't. That name doesn't ring a bell. Okay. Not directly. Never so. mind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like uh, he, he's just um, this director that I know that's doing a short called Lenoria. Okay. I, I, I thought he mentioned something, but I might have been mistaken. Awesome. <laughs> it's fine. Tell him to reach out, but I don't know. I'm pretty busy. <laughs> Lucky, luckily enough, I'm booked out until next year, so got oh, so much awesome. stuff going on. So it's like just madness—the madness of juggling it. So what are so what's going on now with you? Where 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 are you working at right now? And like, how's that going for you? Uh, right now, I'm at Paramount Studios. Okay, um, I'm working on one of their kind Art of directing. Yes, okay. I'm working on one of their kind of. Um, at, uh, animated films that they're making in-house because before they were doing kind of a distribution deal with DreamWorks. Mm. And 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 they've kind of um, had uh, animated films here and there, Rango, I think, and Tintin. And, um, and they I were trying Tintin. to do something that was a little bit more homegrown, mm. more than usual for them. And so I'm on That's one cool. of their kind of flagship animation films. How badass. How cool mm-hmm. is that for you to be art directing something that's a flagship, which is a great part, a great time to be at a studio like that. <laughs> they can either really, they could either make it amazing and take the risk and, and, and do something special or they could fuck it up and, you know, over control it. And so it just depends on who's the executive producer <laughs> or who's the director and stuff and seeing how that person and deals with that level i guess of madness yeah so. <laughs> I, I mean I, I know that um i mean uh, there's not much that i can say about it other than sure, you course. know paramount is is traditionally a live action studio and so doing an animated film um it, is definitely going to be interesting for them yeah yeah it's a whole <laughs> different process all in all like through and yeah through. it is but if they have the right team and they employ the right people it should be fine mm-hmm. that's right. really cool yeah paramount is uh i really um the Tintin's one of those films that I feel like a lot of people slept on. I really enjoyed it. I thought it had some of the most insane things going on in that film. Mm-hmm. It's like I went and saw it in the theater twice because I enjoyed it so much. Um, yeah, that was a. I forgot that they put that together with Spielberg and everything. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not really sure who made it specifically, but it's all over um, the place. Yeah, I mean, uh, and I think they did the same thing, or Paramount did the same thing with Little Prince too, where another studio made it and paramount um is distributing it and like bought the rights just i don't really know how it all works sure um, that kind of a high level but um but yeah uh, but um we're actually like on the paramount lot um with the team of lot. artists working yeah, so it's, cool. it's pretty cool it's a cool to go down over there and be in that kind of that setting too yeah like, i totally uh, saw like Brienne from Game of Thrones one day and it was amazing. That's so sick. <laughs> I feel like she was like fake talking on her phone to not make eye contact with random people, but sure. it's okay. I still stared at her. Yeah. Yeah. I would too if I was her. So <laughs> <laughs> I do that uh, when I go through like the, say the mall and I don't want to, you know, the, all the people in the kiosk, I feel bad, but I'm like, man, I don't want to 
buy perfume or uh a you clip. sure you don't want a hands-free steamer yeah hands-free steamer clips for my chip bags i don't know like <laughs> i'm like no yeah <laughs> it's a good technique though trust me if you want to people still accept that people are on the phone they won't come up and bug you that's the one thing you can still use in public to get away with not having to publicly talk to somebody so <laughs> yeah <laughs> it probably sounds horrible that i do that but yeah, yeah i gotta retain my own sanity here so yeah. <laughs> so art directing, that's a really awesome. I mean, art directing, I've done it various times in different projects. I always love to talk with other art directors about it because I'm curious about kind of your process or how you look at what a great art director is. What, In your opinion, what is a great art director? What what exactly is the main trait that makes a great art director? Oh, man. Um, uh, <laughs> that kind of a question requires a little bit of self-reflection. Yeah, um, it does. Yeah. But, uh, but I mean, what what i I'm, I'm not super sure i mean i have certain opinions about it for example i do know personally i've learned that being a good art director doesn't necessarily mean um you know just coming into a room and shooting your opinion over everybody yeah, and I hate for that. me <laughs> it's like I, i've realized now a big part of it a big part of what i consider my job anyway is to um you know allow the artists to um pitch ideas like full ideas not jump in halfway through and give them minor technical notes to kind of derail them. Um, and, and probably the biggest part of at least what I think makes good, makes a good art director in animation is, you know, you're, I feel like my job really is to give the team enough, um, information and leeway and, um, you know, like inspiration to do their jobs and make, and make them look good to the director. It's not, you know, my job to point out everything that I feel like is wrong or how I would do differently because a lot of it, it's, it's like separating out what your personal preference is um, versus what's best for the show and for the artist and, and the tasks they have to complete. Yeah. And then um, making sure that, um, you know, they get FaceTime with the director, that they're pitching ideas as well. It's a really big part of the process. And so I, I, I don't know. I feel like um, I don't want to say the job is like, protecting them because it's not like I'm their mom or anything like that, but it is a lot giving them the, the like kind of necessary information and materials to do the best that they can at their jobs. Absolutely. You know? Um, and so, I mean, I don't know how successful I am in that. You'll probably have to ask one of the artists. <laughs> Sounds like you're very um, self-aware and that's, a, that is really important, I think. So. Yeah. But, but, but definitely um, I, I try not to get caught up in things that are just kind of minor preferential things like oh maybe i just don't like the color um teal or something and i and and like that's just a very personal thing that really has no bearing on the work that they're doing so it's separating all of those little things out Um, and then also being um especially when i'm working with the 3d artists being also aware of what I care about and what I don't care about, you know, like, do I really care about this book that we're going to see in the corner of the room? Like, do I care that it's green versus blue or do I not care and just focus on what's important? Cause you can't kind of change and micromanage every little aspect of something out of context. And so that's, that's something that I've kind of realized about myself too. I mean, I know it's probably not good to say I don't care about something, but no, I really no. maybe don't care about, you know, like a character's sock that you would never see, you know? Well, it's decisions. You have to make decisions, right? 
Yeah. You don't want to be that person that's there. That's like, Oh, I don't know. Make it, make it blue. I'll make it green. You're going to burn everybody out and drive everybody nuts. Yeah. So exactly. I, I totally agree. It's not that you're not being, not your, it's not your, that you're not carrying your bearing. You're actually carrying more by being deliberate about your actions that are supporting the whole, which I think mm-hmm. is very important. I think a lot of people might mix, miss that or miss that detail. Right. Um, yeah, that's really cool. I, for me, what you're saying, and that all, that's exactly how I look at it too. I always look at the director's role as being somebody that empowers others and communicates and gets the best out of their team mm-hmm. and, and by giving them their own slice of the pie, letting them hold mm-hmm. the responsibility. And like you said, protect them, I guess in your case, like, and like you said, not protect is not the right word necessarily, but you kind of are, you're trying to make sure that you foster them so that they can bring things to the table. Because for example, like you're saying, paper man, they took a risk on you and, and it paid off in spades, you know, like I think it was, a really smart move from them, you know, to mm-hmm. do that. And so I know that you, you see that formula. So it's like, okay, this must be, let me try this here and see. And it's good that you had people like that as mentors and, and colleagues to, to show you how that ingredient works because it's like capturing lightning in a bottle. So unique, you know, <laughs> yeah. Ma- imagine working on a Brad Bird film, like really, really closely with him and just seeing him every day, understanding <laughs> his methodologies, you know, that's got to rub off on you. You know, yeah. there's, there's enough brilliance there to go around the table. And mm-hmm. a lot of it, I think is just capturing that those essence and the essence of those ingredients and stuff. Are you big on reading books or are you into that kind of stuff at all? Uh, I actually like to read a lot of like fantasy books. Oh yeah. Um, What's the um, last really good fantasy that you've read? Uh, this, uh, Sailor Moon. Nah. No, um, <laughs> this guy, Patrick Rothfuss. I really like his series, Name of the Wind. Name of the Wind. Never yeah. heard of it. It's kind of like um, the language and the way it's written gets kind of flowery at times if you're kind of into that or not, like very prosy, but it's very good. I mean, it's like a kind of grown-up Harry Potter with hints of like Tolkien in it. It's it's really, really good. I, I recommend it. Um, uh, I've been trying to like read more of, you know, um, like – not not fantasy novels per se but like um maybe even science fiction i was a huge like in middle school michael creighton fan for some reason like i read all of his books yeah i read a lot Um, of his too love those books he's a great writer yeah and so um but but then since then i've kind of switched to to fantasy Hmm. um and i like patrick rothfuss because it's it's super um in like it's 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 high fantasy you know you also get a little hint of like um the very kind of um, classical Ursula K. Le Guin feeling to it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very intricate and, and there's a lot of cool stuff in it. That's um, like, he gets really in depth into explaining the type of magic and the rules that, I mean, I'm super nerdy about this. I'm like, I play magic, the gathering, I play all these different board games cause I'm just super into it. And my, one of my biggest, while I love Harry Potter, one of my biggest pet peeves is that there's no consequences for using magic. Mm. Like you don't give anything up to create something. Yeah, that's true. Huh? And, yeah. Uh, what the fuck then, Harry Potter? I, <laughs> no, I still love it. I mean, there are other things, you know, <laughs> they have a little bit of that with the Voldemort thing, but um, but, but this book has uh, has that it has the kind of exchange and um, has very specific rules to the world, which I like. That's cool. Um, without being too like dark, because um, I tried to read this other guy, Joe Abercrombie, and all of his stuff is just so like depressing and dark. It's like it was dirty. They were mean. Nothing is ever good. It's raining. And it was just very depressing. <laughs> Sad <laughs> times. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was so self-therapy, I, I maybe, huh? Very much recommend 
Patrick Rothfuss. Okay, so his the book that you you that I should definitely check out is The Name of the Wind. Is that the one that I should check out? Yeah, that's the first one of the trilogy. It better be good, or I'm maybe pissed. No, I'm joking. I actually I I listen and read to a lot of business and self help books, and I think I need. And I also listen to a lot of this like this podcast called Hardcore History. Oh, uh, okay. Have you listened to that one? No, it's um, gnarly. I, <laughs> the only uh, um, I have not, but that sounds interesting. I, I guess the only thing close to that would be when I was listening to Serial for like ah I've heard so many great things about that I heard it's addicting it is you get really into it I actually have to I think I left off at a random episode and I have to pick it up again but it's um but but listening to that stuff and I and I actually like just listening to other people's stories Mm. um like on uh, NPR and things like that whenever they do um This American Life that's awesome. There really is an abundance, like a ridiculous amount of, of epic stuff out there for us. Yeah. So it's like really, it's quite insane what mm-hmm. there is out there. You have, you know, you have millions of different amazing podcasts out there and then you have audiobooks, and then um, just capturing your attention. One thing I wanted to touch back on what you said, which I think is really cool, is you mentioned like board games and imaginative kind of interactive games. I strongly suggest, and I think that's really great that people do that. And you should, I think I, I've, I have a friend of mine who's really into uh, D&D, like role-playing games, like mm. really into it. And uh, I opposed to my wife, she was like, don't do that. <laughs> but I, I was like, man, I would go fucking sit down a dungeon night or something. That'd be so much fun to just be a dork and be a kid and have fun and be silly. I think yeah. if there's ever been a time to be accepted and understood as being somewhat of a dork, it's now. Like, Oh, yeah, it's uh, totally cool now. It like is it's cool. It's cool to be kind of nerdy. Yeah, it was not cool at all when I was growing up. Like, if you were <laughs> any kind of a nerd, you got punched in the face, you got wedgies. You uh-huh. got all kinds of dirt in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I heard Hawaii was gnarly too. Oh my goodness. Is uh, Ryan a Howley? Yes, he is. Yeah. So he had He's to deal like with the it. whitest dude ever. Oh yeah. So he was probably like me. He was like the white kid in class that could draw. So you would get picked on, but probably not as much as the other kids because he could draw. So I imagine. So <laughs> yeah, at least Oahu is kind of whitewashed a little bit more. So I grew yeah. up in different parts that weren't so much. So he still yeah. carries the baggage, though. Whenever we go back, he's like, oh, they're not going to treat me well because I'm Holly. But I grew up my whole life here. Yeah, like, it's, it's really pretty messed up. It. Yeah. yeah, it was really actually um, it's great as a white male basically growing up there because um you get really good understanding of what it is like to be a minority and also what it's like to be kind of judged based off of your skin color because in america and the states it's like white man's land you know like it's it's you know it's basically that's it's changing now which is rad it's much more diverse and becoming more dynamic which is great but when growing up in Hawaii, for example, like people are very sovereign about the, what they believe. And they, um, the thing I love about Hawaii is the people too, and how just connected to their culture and their land they are. But at the same time, like the closed mindedness is a bummer. It's a sad thing, you know, like, but once they understand who you are and your intentions, I think it's much better, but yeah, it's never, it's like, you're never good enough. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's just sad. Yeah. yeah. So I know exactly 
what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> had years and years. My brother got kicked out of Hawaii actually because he didn't he couldn't handle it. So yeah. Oh really? Yeah. He like Aww. my brother's a violent person. So he was like, oh yeah, you don't like me. <laughs> well, here's a club to your face. <laughs> they had lots and so it's very opposite opposing to me where I was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. It's 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 a. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful place. I still love it. I'm still going to go and I'm going to die there. That's where my plan is to go and live there and just perish away into the islands because it's just um, it's a it's a magical place. It's a special, <laughs> special place. I, it's such a different energy. You know, I'm sure you're in Burbank. You said like when you go out and back to Hawaii, it's like oh, Oahu is much different. It's, I don't really consider that to be really anywhere similar to most of the other islands, but uh, like Maui or Kauai is really special as far as just the connectivity to nature and, and the spiritualism of it all is like really special. Yeah. Know? I mean, it's only like four hours away, but it feels so close. like, you know, it, like when you go there, it feels like a different world. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And it's, it's the people and just how they deal with things too. And very sovereign. That's, that's cool. Yeah. I definitely love it, but yeah, someday I will go back soon and, and buy my house out there and yeah, can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then be judged every day because of my skin color. It's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, that is how it goes. Talking about all this stuff, I'd really like to talk about like you draw a lot of really strong female characters. Is that a choice? Is that something within you that um, you're like, man, there's not, there's too many men up in this scene. Like, let's get out of here. Let's get the, let's get the women and tough action setups. You know, is that yeah. an intention? And um, who are some of your favorite, like most, uh, iconic female powerhouses. Oh man. Um, I, I, I have to admit, I don't draw them as a means of, um, I, I consider myself a total advocate for the kind of badass lady. You know, I, I do. Um, mm -hmm. I don't, I, I think a big reason of why I draw so many of them is just cause I just enjoy drawing girls and women in general. Mm. And I, I was never, um, growing up, I was never overly romantic or anything like that. Like I would never draw like a romance cover of like this hot dude and like this, this chick with like eighties hair, you know? And so, so my default was more influenced by, you know, anime that I watched and things like that. Sure. But um, but most badass ladies, there's so many. Of course, there's classic Ripley. She's yeah. amazing. She's one of my favorites. Uh, Helen's the shit, Andrew. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, you know what's up. <laughs> she is. And, and, and yeah, I mean, um, I don't know. I just like it when, um, and of course, the, the newest yep. feminist icon or whatever it is, is Furiosa from Mad Max. And you're going to say it? Yeah, she's I all know. over. Yeah. Everybody, everybody is all over that. And I think the reason is, is that whenever they're like in their roles doing their thing, it like being a lady never comes up. It's never addressed I in love that. any way. And mm -hmm. I think that's what I like about it. Yep. And, uh, and, and there's so many things where they do kind of like try to empower ladies, but it's in not quite the right way. Like it's disingenuine. Yeah. Like I would kind of include like, I don't know this may, I don't want to offend anybody, but this, this the first thing that pops to my head is, um, when I watched sucker punch, I like really just wanted to leave the theater. I had no idea what I was watching or what this was, mm. you know, like, and it's like stuff like that that gets confusing, but I just like the more straightforward kind of like, uh, being a lady has nothing to do with whether they're badass or not. And it's never really addressed. They just are who they are. Yep. And I think that's they're what strong characters. Me, yeah, yeah. Like them best, you know, like you don't like, you know, like they could, uh, 
Furiously could have been a dude too. It didn't really matter. Exactly. I couldn't agree with you more. I think that the idea of not necessarily following into the tropes either way, you know, mm-hmm. whether you're enforcing it or not, and then just doing it about basic character traits and building upon that. I think that's really how you empower everybody in different ways and different worlds. You know, it's not like, Oh yeah. Uh, Cause I think if you start to really focus on those things too much, it just becomes very disingenuine, you know, and it gets lost yeah. in this, in the spectrum of things. So I think that's totally true for race too. Because oh, yeah, like absolutely. growing up when I saw movies, like, or like you watch just a random show or whatever, when a Chinese dude shows up, yeah, like, especially the? if it's like a cop movie, they always have feel like the need in the story to explain it. Yeah. Like they're always like, Oh, this is the triad or this is like, and he has like a weird accent or whatever like that. There's never just like, Oh, this barista just happens to be Asian and he never says anything, but like, he's just there. And there's no, like, I feel like, um, there's recently it's gotten better. Like you see a lot more of that stuff. But before I felt like whenever I watched a movie, it was like a period piece and it was set in China and that's where there were Chinese people. Sure. Or like there's a reason for the to be there, like a Chinese gang, but they weren't just like floating around in like normal life, you know? And that's yeah. kind of what I felt like was kind of weird. Yeah, I definitely. Know. Well, I mean, there's stereotypes for a reason. They exist in our society in general. And it's just mostly from people and their fear-based actions and reactions to things, I think. So it's just like a weird knee-jerk reaction, but it's not sincere because everybody's unique and different in their own way. Like, absolutely. Even people that are very similar are very unique and different. Mm-hmm. Um, on the surface, yeah, of course. Oh, you're just this person. I'm going to classify you as this. But then once you get to know that person beyond that you get to go oh wow like you've had this really unique thing to you most of the time i think that's really what it is and it's it's really um i think one thing that we could do with our abilities of creating worlds and stuff is also establishing what the world could be you know the future of our our world because what we do is we reach into our imaginations and we pull these things out these like entities and elements that come out and we kind of build upon them and if we could use that as a device to kind of help steer consciousness in a really, um, unique way. I think without, you know, very sincere. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a, a unique power and ability that we have to do such a thing. Cause it's really, uh, making films or working on movies and all that stuff. You're just pushing emotions. That's all you're doing. It's like emotion button. Here we go. We're going to yeah. have this emotion button here and emotion button there and stuff, you know? So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know. I, I find it interesting. And I, th- I was just curious because I was looking through your stuff and I was like, well, I think you definitely love either you love and you feel comfortable drawing women because I, I feel comfortable drawing dudes. Uh, right. It's just like, yeah, I grew up with the, you know, the G.I. Joe's brainwashed America. <laughs> you know, wars, good guns. Yeah. Rah. And so it's just kind of a, a, a comfort zone. And so uh, we just started our school and my teacher, we're doing co-teacher stuff and he is drawing a female. He's really good at drawing women. And I was like, yeah, I was looking at his chick and she looked like a, like a supermodel. And I was like, well, I want to draw a realistic woman. And then <laughs> so I drew her all <laughs> like a, well, cause she's a mercenary warrior. I'm like, well, fuck man, she's going to be fucked up. And I wanted her to look like she's been through, you know, umpteen different wars and battles. And so I want right. her to, to wear it. Um, just be, uh, I would, I basically drew her as I would a man. I just made her look f- like a female. So <laughs> he was like, yeah. that is one manly woman. I was like, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> what, what do you want? This is how I see a, this savage woman being. So, <laughs> yeah. <That's laughs> but, cool. Oh, I forgot one lady that I liked too. And I felt like it was kind of a really good movie that didn't really get maybe the attention it deserved, but, um, I forgot her name, but she's from the edge of tomorrow. 
the yeah. Tom Cruise movie. Yes, I, where she's I doing actually, the freaking the push up like a hundred yeah, times a week. I actually really like that movie. That was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. That was like a movie I went and I was like, this is entertaining. This was a lot of fun just to sit here and like watch Tom Cruise die over and over. <laughs> like, it's yeah, it was entertaining. like, I, it was gonna be, I think maybe part of it is too that I thought it was going to be really bad. And then I went and I was like, oh, no, this is pretty good. All right. Yeah. I'm on board. Yeah. Emily Blunt is her name. Yes. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah, she's rad. Yeah, Emily Blunt, and she's been in uh, Live Diner. Oh, she was in Looper, too. I'm looking at her IMDb. Oh, right. Yeah, she was rad. You know who's a really fucking badass uh, female actor right now that's just killing it in one of my favorite shows is uh, Halt and Catch Fire. You ever watch that show? No, I haven't. Oh, man. Uh, it's I love it. Um, it's one of my favorites. Also, um, Utopia is one that has a, some pretty gnarly, awesome female leads that are like kind of unique in their own right but if you haven't watched halt and catch fire you should check it out it's one of my favorite shows it's kind of weird that people are just kind of sleeping on it. i don't get it uh yeah i've never heard it about yeah oh it man it's the shit like not, not once uh i think Crazy. i think you might like it um if i don't even know what it's like andrew what's halt and catch fire like uh it's like 80s Mad Men in the computer tech world Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it's really rad. Like, such such an interesting story. You look like you would draw Mackenzie Davis. She's the main, She's one of the main actresses in it. She's really beautiful and has, like, a really unique, like, unique beauty, huh? She's, like, yeah, has a... Yeah. She kills it in the show, man. She's so good. I'm going to have to... Mackenzie! <laughs> I'm going to have to look it up. I've been running out of, like, shows to watch. Oh, this is the one. Yeah, that's that's one of the best. Yeah. I, awesome. Everybody I turn on to is like, holy shit, this is the best. Because, I mean, I'm really into tech sci-fi. Not sci-fi, yeah. but I'm really into tech stuff, you know? And, um, yeah, they're really capitalizing on, like, that, that era. And they do a great job of keeping it really consistent, too, in that era, too. So, yeah. <laughs> is it just me, or is this guy from Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He's the fucking like yeah. elf king, right? Dude, he yeah. kills it <laughs> in this <laughs> show. Amazing. He in Hall and Catch Fire. Oh, Dude, awesome. yeah, he's the fucking shit. Yeah, he is the guy. He's the elf king. Day, and I was like, this guy is so goofy. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good to hear that he's got something, you know, that's like better. Oh, yeah. yeah. Him and his extremely deep voice play a huge role in Hall and Catch Fire. <laughs> he crushes. Yeah. It's basically him and Lee, Lee Pierce and Mackenzie Davis. And then Scott is amazing. And Carrie uh, is amazing, too. They're both super good. But yeah, yeah Lee Pace is, he's the shit. He kills awesome. it in this show. He's such a awesome. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'll get, I'll stop talking about it, but seriously, check it out because he's, He's a he's a powerhouse talent, and, and I think we're on what season two is just finished. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I, it's really crazy that it really hasn't ca- caught on. I I get blown away by that. I'm like, do people even have good taste? What the fuck's happening out in the world? <laughs> 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 yeah, All right, I will good. definitely watch it. Check this one out, and also I've always been preaching it. Um, it's one of my favorites. It's, it's Utopia. It's a show from the UK. Uh, check that one out amazing 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 score like one of the best yeah uh the cinematography alone you're gonna shit yourself because you're i know you love this stuff so the compositional it's just insane it's Mm -hmm. next level and then they also have jessica hyde so you know you'll see so yeah awesome uk shows push it yeah two new shows for sure you got some good shows for us to watch I don't. Uh, I don't. Well, I haven't had a time, but I'll definitely add to my list. Well, the the last one that I really like that I'm like kind of antsy to get more of is Peaky Blinders. P- 
Peaky Blinders. Never even heard of that. It's Netflix. It's like, uh, I don't know what, I think it's a British production. It's kind of, um, but it's awesome. It's like, it's about, um, oh, like, yeah, this uh, guy. gangsters this guy. in oh, the, okay. like British gangsters. This looks awesome. Yeah. Killian Murphy's he's the shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really like at first you're watching it and you're like, you'll get confused. Like, why am I watching this? What's, what's the point? But then you just get so wrapped up into their whole thing. You know, they don't even know what they want, but it's, it's just so interesting to go along with them, you know? Hmm. And then the main, um, the main um, antagonist is uh, the dude from Jurassic Park. So oh. that's fun. <laughs> Chris uh, Pratt. Wow. Didn't even no, 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 not that guy. The the original Jurassic Sam Neill, Park. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Not Jurassic yeah. World. Come on, dude. I don't know, man. Andrew doesn't even <laughs> like it. Does, Andrew doesn't like that offended Tuna, actually. I, li- I like Jurassic Park. Don't give me shit for that. Wait, you Jurassic not- Park, the old one is awesome. Yeah, no, I liked it. And then Ash was upset that I wasn't saying it was like the best movie ever. You motherfucker. Oh. No. I like it. <laughs> no, it's I like cool. It. I, Andrew and I have heated talks about movies. Most of yeah, the time I don't like care. I just like to I just like to like throw fire at Andrew cuz like he's like my little brother so we have like this funny uh like battling all the time. So, but okay, uh I I've seen the I've seen Peaky Blinders. I've also heard Narcos is really good too. I actually just watched all of that. How was that? Like over the weekend. Oh, it was damn you. really good. I want your life. <laughs> I, I you don't understand like I I can just like work and then just have something up and just go through the entire thing. But Narcos is different because it's about I think maybe like 70% in Spanish. Oh, okay. So you have to um, focus. The, yeah, like the only um parts that are in English is when the English the American dude is talking or narrating. Hmm. But it's 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 really good. Um I got super into it. I need to check that one out. I've heard yeah. really great things about it. Everybody's telling me. I miss I I want to see Sicario. I that's the film I'm so like, good. I know. I cannot wait. Emily it's Blunt like, is in that and she's great in it. Like Really? Yeah, it's really really phenomenal. I heard that they that director and Roger Deakins they're making Blade Runner. Did yeah. you tell me that? Who really? told me that? Yeah. It's oh, like in the works too. Like it's damn. it's happening for real. He made, they, he made Enemy and he also made Prisoners. I thought um, Prisoners was a lot of fun. It wasn't a perfect film. There's some weird things that are happening, but at the same time, was man, it really had amazing mood. And then Enemy, I just loved Enemy because it's so weird and unique and different and such a. Have you seen that yet? No, I haven't. Uh, yeah, I, it's I'm, a trip. I'm so like I'm actually still just thinking about the Blade Runner thing because that's got to be one of the kind of touchstones of of movie making you yeah, know like good yeah. filmmaking yeah real um, good filmmaking. like especially i mean there's just a quality that you don't get anymore it's like the film grain oh you know, yeah the, the, they shot on real film there's just all this shit in the air there's so much atmosphere going on it's one of my favorites i'm constantly it's back using when, like, it yeah. people like people weren't afraid to lose stuff to film yep. and now things are getting just sharper and sharper and all this little detail flying around and it's just less effective. Like it's not as iconic. You know, I, I I couldn't agree with you more. I think the idea of like you know HD, Ultra HD, 4K, 8K. It's like fuck. It, it's you know if you look at say um, a Rembrandt painting, yeah. if Rembrandt were to go in there and detail the fuck out of everything and put the pores and everything, you couldn't focus on anything, and then you would miss yeah. the mood. You would miss the intention of what he's trying to tell you. He's yeah. trying to look. He's trying to look right at you through your soul, and he's trying to say. I have a really shitty life and it sucks to be me because I've lost everybody that I love. And I think with Blade Runner as a prime example, you couldn't have said it better is that 
with all that softness, with that film green, with those intentions, you get this really unique interaction as a human being as mm-hmm. and you're watching this media i think personally that that era of film has been still untouched it's it's gotten oh, close yeah, there, darius kanji's touched on it a couple of times i think there's there's a lot of cinematographers that have really done amazing 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 work the last really beautiful film i think was probably um fury road was really phenomenal like next level oh, yeah. like holy shit um but i mean that's still it's a little bit different even um just because the media quality but i think that when they were sh- shooting on film and that rawness and that just that that tonality it's yeah it's really unique and i actually i'm really stoked to hear that if anybody can pull off this um, next feat of doing blade runner uh, i think that this guy could possibly bring it because he's a character d- director too so if he if he has the right team to do the rest of it, he's going to be able to push those characters as well, which mm-hmm. is which I think is important. You know, it would be really bad if it was like some commercial director that just focused on the visuals. Of course, it might visually look cool, but I don't think it would pull the characters from through. And I think we already we've already proven in Hollywood that we can make beautiful things. Right. It's just so you can't make resonating things, you know. So the person that yeah. figures that out properly is going to make a killing and is going to make history, you know. Yeah. Just waiting for that. Who's it going to be? <laughs> pick me, guys. Pick me. Yeah. <laughs> right here on my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But now I use that film. I use Blade Runner constantly um, as a muse. Yeah. I noticed, it's awesome. I noticed in your paper, man, actually, I was going to bring this up um, the use of film grain and diffusion and blurring of lines and textures and focal points and stuff. Was there a particular. Is something that Jeff might have turned you on to, or is this something that you were already observing in the natural world of filmmaking? Um, how did uh, the, how did that kind of? Because that's a really subtle thing that you know I don't know people would really see that. You but. know what? Um, I, I, I so I think a lot of that stuff Jeff established, um, and then um, and so so he taught me a lot about that. And now you know um, I try not to do it just for the sake of doing it because I've done it before in Paperman. Like there needs to be a, a reason. Sure. And one of the things that I I've been kind of feeling recently is that um, I feel like animation um, has kind of progressed so far. There's all these like really beautiful animated films. Um, but a lot of them still come from a place of trying to emulate uh, what it used to be when it was 2d. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that stuff was made for either TV or just shorts in front of movies. They weren't treated cinematically maybe the same way. Like, um, like for, for example, um, you know, like lighter movies like Penguins of Madagascar or whatever. Um, while it had some really fun action scenes and things like that, I wouldn't say that cinematically it came from the same place as like um, a movie would. Yeah. And I think that's what kind of paper I was trying to get at was using um, the film grain was was kind of inspired by just old 1950s kind of photographs of New York. But I think that what it does and that's why I, I mean, I use film grain all the time on yeah. my work. And it's because I feel like another area for animation to grow in is cinematically. You know, you got all these kind of great cinematographers doing amazing work on movies like. I just saw the trailer for Revenant with, um, oh God, you know, and it's like Fuck. they shot it so wide and yes. with such a point of view mm-hmm. from a cinematic point of view, and 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 animation doesn't necessarily have that because a lot of the 
because it, because it does have this kind of rich history that you know you don't ever want to discount, but it does come sure. from a two D world, and um, and I feel like animation has room to grow. Oh, you yeah. know, Absolutely. like a, and a lot of the animated films are kind of more geared toward kids, so there's a lot of brighter colors and less contrast. But like Blade Runner, I really love it when things kind of fall off into black. Like I don't mind at all when things crunch. Well, your artistic you know? mind fills the canvas though. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. so, and that's what I liked about Paperman is that it was a limited palette with black and white that it, it was allowed to do that in a way that I don't think maybe, you know, another um, animated film would be like, uh, like Breakout Ralph or something. Sure. And, sure. and so it's just, it just feels more cinematic. And so I think the, you know, all of the things that a camera, like how the camera reacts with the subject is a little bit more aware in uh, like, it could be a little bit more aware in animation. Like we could use more depth of field. Um, there could be more like, um, you know, I mean, I know that it's really cheesy to have like, um, oh, what is it called? Um, the, the, what's the lens that creates lens flares? Like there's a specific lens camera lens. Uh, yeah, like they could, like, I mean, I know you don't want to lens for up the entire place or whatever, but. JJ Abrams, that ass. I know, I know. He doesn't <laughs> own that. Okay. Um, but no, yeah, but like. Lawrence but like, Arabia uh, and all that stuff, yeah. Like making uh, the camera uh, a character as well in animated films would, would, I think, would actually elevate a lot of it, you know, and make it something different. Absolutely. So I think that's um, that's something where I feel like animated film has like room to grow. You there know? you go. And you're in the perfect position to do that. You know, you're at a studio that comes from film. You're at, you know, in the position of <laughs> loving that stuff too, you know, so. We did just look at 15 uh, lens flare wedges and that was cool. That's awesome. So. Yeah. I'm shooting a film in, uh, next month and we're, we're talking about shooting anamorphic and the reasons why and why we want to and the reasons why we can't because special effects and stuff. So it's kind of heartbreaking, but at the same time, it's anamorphic is, is, uh, like you said, it, it captures such a unique essence of things too. Um, it's just a nightmare and pipelines and shit for, for merging and science, special effects stuff and, and visual effects yeah. and all that stuff. So yeah, as far as I know, a lot of that stuff is just done post because yes. it is so complicated. <laughs> yeah. Cause so. you have to, you know, uh, uh, the lens distorts, so you have to redistort, and undistort, and go back and forth, and, right. and then it's just a nightmare of lining and stuff, which is like, uh, it's yeah. a headache when you're doing mats and keys and, and replacing things and stuff. So, but yeah. yeah, it's I think it's really important, and I think that's really good that you're taking muse from other avenues of, of brilliance, which is like you know the nuances of really great films. Uh, even like Andrews, didn't you say you recently watched Lawrence of Arabia, and that's a fucking yeah. beautiful film 70 too. millimeter yeah yeah 70 millimeter and it's like can you imagine the money the cha-ching like <laughs> doing that today you're talking about millions of dollars to process yeah, that stuff never even been made no like. no i'm watching this show that i find to be incredibly entertaining it's like watching the kind of a little bit of what i do uh happening it's called uh project green light have you ever heard of that show mm-hmm it's really entertaining. It's kind of bizarre. And there's some real egotistical characters in this show. I don't want to even spoil it for you because it's like you'll end up yelling at the TV. It's so fucking funny. But uh, <laughs> it's basically this uh, uh, Matt Damon and uh, Ben Affleck. They team up together and they do this HBO show called Project Greenlight where they try to uh, they throw a contest out. They bring in all these filmmakers. They pick from like the thousands to the top 10 and they have these guys interview and they pick the person and then they let them make their film. But then they document 
the whole process because it's really hard to make a film, like mm-hmm. very, very hard. Yeah. And they wanted to show the world what it's like, you know, the process of making a film and the nuances and just the chaotic uh, misery it can cause cause people if they're not in the line, you know. So, um, but yeah, he this guy was adamant. The director was so adamant about using film. You'll see, it's pretty funny. Yeah, and that's very. No, I ironic. mean, I like. I, I think that's what's been the the best part of um, the like, but that I've learned the most in the past year is just more about filmmaking in general because I work with a lot of people that are very passionate about. Um, like camera specifically like uh like as an artist i mean i've been playing this game with myself just to get better at it which is like when i'm watching a movie i'll guess um <laughs> what the focal length of the camera lens is awesome. just yeah. just just to kind of test myself and learn you. more about it and it's it's really interesting like i a find 50s yeah. yeah like i find the the or 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 even like if it's a wide or a long lens, things mm-hmm. like that, and it's, it's just really interesting. Why they would use a of, telephoto to flatten it and all that kind of right, stuff, right? Exactly, yeah. and it's mm-hmm. more of like just learning more about the filmmaking process and not being contained within animated films, which can be a little bit limited just by the nature of you know the the, the pipeline and whatever. Yep, and and because of the different departments, like VizDev doesn't really get a lot of interaction with some of the other departments and that's where a lot of the actual filmmaking happens like when they set cameras they have to set you know the lens everything and and so it's learning more about that that i found really really fun in the last year that's awesome do you encounter books or do you read blogs like how do you come upon your cinematography knowledge because that's i have a ton of books on them and i read a lot of those and then i also study and then i watch a lot of like uh there's quite a bit of amazing authors and people that are dissecting things on YouTube and, and, mm-hmm. and kind of bringing forth this really hidden kind of silence, silent art that people weren't really aware of prior to their essays. Um, I'm trying to think of the guy's name. He's really great. He does quite a few. It's, of them. it's like that Chinese guy, right? Yes. Yeah, sorry, that's awesome. like, no, I'm sorry. That's, that's I actually met up. him one time yeah. at like a random party. Hmm. Um, and, but I, but I totally forgot his name. Yeah. What's I'm totally drawing a blank. I had a couple emails with him. He's a really great guy. Really yeah, nice, really incredibly nice. smart. Like, very yeah. observant of things. Yeah. Sorry. Um, Damn it. <laughs> sorry, guy. Yeah. Sorry, dude. You know. Um, <laughs> no, but, but yeah, like I'll watch those YouTube videos or um, like uh, I, I just, or I just kind of sit in on layout meetings or camera meetings where the director and the editor and the ed- like editorial too has become, is this huge mystery, you know, for me um, because I don't really know. And I know it's a very specific art form and I know that it takes a, you know, a lot of skill, but to listen to, you know, our editor kind of break down why you want to frame something a certain way to make a better cut or whatever has been super interesting. So it's just a lot of like kind of eavesdropping on the process itself. Yeah. And then when I watch films now, I kind of try and take notice of it if I can. And then of course I have a couple books as well that, um, I have to confess I don't actually read very closely, but maybe <laughs> I sometimes it's really hard. It's very academic, and you're like, "Fuck, yeah. this sucks." Because like, I mean, there's diagrams. They even have diagrams. Yeah. Still know, though, of- I'm like, "Ooh, boring." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but but just I feel like being aware of it, and and I'm uh, like sometimes I just get this weird urge. I'm like, maybe I should just go back to school for cinematography. Do you play and with 3D much at all? Um, I don't. If you did, uh, I, you could probably do a lot of damage in there with the, for fun and easy, and you could just yeah. test lenses on the fly. 
Um, if you're ever interested, maybe I could show you some stuff quickly in cinema 4d. It's a program that I use all the time and it's super user-friendly and it's easy. And like, you can just set up scenes really quickly and test lens, you know, throw like a quick model in there, test a lens or a light in there. Boom. That's actually, um, cause it's dynamic. So you can learn on the fly and it doesn't cost anything other than your time, which is very important, obviously. But if you have time to kill, you can, I'm going to spend, you know, 30 minutes in this 3d program. And it's really simple and easy to get around. You throw a camera in there, set a scene, and then you can go, oh, okay, like this would be interesting if I were to try to set this setup or this mm-hmm. scene up, okay, instead of like reading a book, maybe because I've learned more about lighting and cinematography. Well, I've done some live like shooting and stuff uh, in studios, but I've learned a lot more about lighting through 3D because I can, because it's a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to have all right. this, this gear and all this stuff. And, um, but, yeah, if you're ever interested, that's always like, that's, that's something I think that's at everybody's disposal. And it's weird that people aren't like using that as like high level planning. I mean, so we do, you know, we do like previs and stuff like that, obviously, but, mm-hmm. um, that's a really good des- device too. So yeah, I, I do feel like that I could, I could, uh, it, it would really help if I could learn some of that stuff. I actually started out the first year of college, uh, majoring in 3d okay. and then it was just like, I don't know what it was. I was maybe my frontal lobe was not developed enough to understand it, but it, I was just fucking terrible at it. It's a language, you know, and yeah, if, you're, if, you, and if you don't have a good teacher too, it can be really challenging if you're not yeah, ready and for it's that. Like, I, I got to a point where I was like, Oh, I could just draw the stupid chair. Yeah. And, it, and it, it just wasn't working. And then that's when I kind of switched to only 2d is I, I did one year of that. And I was like, I can't do this. I had the same thing. I wasn't but, uh, from school, but I had the same thing. I didn't have the patience for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You just have to want it, I guess, but you have to also have the right teacher. I think the teacher that can empower you and show you like, Oh, you know, it's pretty simple. You just do that. And then, then you go and use your imagination. And then all of a sudden you're like this 3d guru, you know, I've seen that happen. We're <laughs> just like, it's like all it is really though. It's just, it's just a language and how well you've, you're taught it and the reasons why you want to learn it. It's like, uh, I've always wanted to learn Japanese, for example, and I actually took it in high school, but I, I, I've wanted to go back and learn it some more. My, uh, wife's, mom is Japanese. So like, I'd love to talk with her. I know little bits of Japanese. And so is her, her dad speaks it fluently too. Mm -hmm. And I always want to go in and be like, Hey, what's up? I'm like, and like talk with them. Um, and we were actually Andrew and I, and and our friend Aaron, we went out to Japan. That was a lot of fun. But when I think to myself, well, if I want to learn Japanese, why do I not want to learn it? And when am I going to use it? And then if I realize it, it, I wouldn't really, it wouldn't really benefit me <laughs> or I wouldn't, I wouldn't like not benefit. It's great to learn anything, but, um, seeing when it would be applicable to the effort and, and, and time and cost it would take to learn it. And mm-hmm. the reasons why it's like, uh, I'd, I'd rather actually learn 3d program or something, you know, so <laughs> it's just time, you know, so, yeah. but it's all a matter of like what you want, but yeah, it, totally. If you're ever curious, like it, it doesn't take long. It could show you like, Oh, it's just how you do it. So you set up a camera, so you set up a light, you throw a scene together. Boom. It's like super easy. So yeah. <laughs> That'll be cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's also because Maya is just so robust of a tool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's like just so much going on in there and I like, it's, it's just very overwhelming. Yes, absolutely. Well, it's a, it's like a Swiss army knife, so it can do yeah. almost everything. Oh, and yeah. the, the power of it is can do everything. The, the, the power and then the fault of it is can do everything, you know? So right. whether you have the discipline to, to, to deal with those nuances, it's really challenging. But, uh, I think there's why there's companies that make programs like cinema 4d 
security, for example, which are um, much easier, I think, than most. Um, there's a lot of even even easier beyond that. I think 3D programs are being much more accessible, especially with how media is changing to VR and mm-hmm. our, how things are kind of going into that realm stuff. Are you? Oh, what, yeah. what are your thoughts on like? Have you seen that one guy that draws a mermaid? Oh, like the, the you mean going keen drawing? Yeah. The 3D mermaid. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that still um, looks like a scribbly scribble, man. Come on. I was like, I, I like well, his pencil I, drawings way well, more. Like, I wonder what it looks like to him. <laughs> yeah, he's tripping you know, out. As he's he, doing it, like, like, I, like I don't know how I would be able to process it. Like, yeah, um, but uh, no, I mean, I think there's definitely a place where I mean, I went to um, because I'm I'm kind of a nerd. I go to I, I'm super into video games and all that stuff too. I went to E3 cool a couple of years ago and I tried the Oculus Rift. Sure. It just made me sick. Yeah, you get sick. Yeah, I get yeah, sick too. Yeah, because I tried this game and um, the, the problem was that like they, they're so excited about the technology, they just throw you in with everything at your disposal so you can fly, you can do whatever. Yeah, you get sick. And I sick just got quickly. really disoriented. Yep. Um, <laughs> they shouldn't do like, that. <laughs> well, it's like, and, then, uh, and then I know that they, um, you know, they want to use it for movies and things like that. But I'm kind of, I, I guess maybe um, this is one of those moments when I realize I'm maybe a little bit like old fashioned or something. I just don't think VR should be for movies. I think that movie should be curated for a point of view. Sure. And I don't think the audience should have control of that. Like, I, I mean, I understand where there are some things where, well, you know, can be like that. Are, like video yeah. games can be like that. Mm-hmm. But if you're presenting a movie like, and, and the filmmakers are there to, to, you know, like Wes Anderson has such a specific style of filmmaking. Sure. It's curated. And the, yeah. Yeah. And, really Fincher, does. and then yeah. when you kind of mess with that, then what's the point of having these very strong voices? I mean, I'm sure there's a way to do it. I'm sure there is. Oh yeah. There but, is people um, that are doing it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, if I want to go see a, a movie, I want it to be, um, I don't want it to be like one of those books where it's like, choose your own adventure. Can you flip to page 13? Mm, like yeah. I don't, I've never liked those books. Oh really? Oh, I love those books. And I always yeah, use those yeah, as yeah. reference when I talk about but, VR. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but that's the thing is like, I, I do know that it's a very like personal thing that makes me not like it. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you're adverse to it and I think there's quite a few people and there is actually a percentage of the population that just really cannot do VR. So you mm-hmm. might be possibly be that person physically too. Yeah. That might not so be able to games, handle. It sounds awesome. Yeah. Well, like, I think for video games, it's yeah. a natural transition. I think, um, cause I've been starting to design experiences using VR and stuff. And I think that the power of immersion is incredibly strong and we don't necessarily have that in any other of our medias right now. And not, not just mm-hmm. for like, you know, shoot them, like shoot them up, like, um, I call them like pew pew games, pew pew, you know, so like, yeah. it's not necessarily just for that. It could be for a, uh, encouraging people's empathy or understanding of the world in a different way of storytelling, like a very in-depth one. Um, mm-hmm. it could be much more immersive in the sense where it can be, um, a device, uh, that's beyond the surface level things. It's more of like a, right. a, a complete experience, you know? So, yeah. um, I think it's just a matter of how and who gives it to you. Cause you might like a curated, uncurated just like um well if you don't like vr at all if you can't do it then yeah it might be hard but it might be <laughs> if you're sitting in vr and then it's moving all over the place and yeah that sucks because that's not you have to be very careful with that it throws your equilibrium off and it has like there's a lot of def- like issues that happen with those things that, that could cause a lot of problems with people just throwing that out the out without it you know so but yeah i think the film thing i think i think she, people shouldn't even call it movies in vr i think it should be completely a new word a new entity because it, it should be something different yeah. right like well it's just, it has it, it is something yeah. different yeah it's not 
nearly the same. It's an immersive experience that's beyond film. Film is a, I always tell myself when I sit down in the theater with my wife and I we're in the dark room with all these strangers, I always think to myself like in the future, uh, people are going to laugh at the idea of people going into a room as strangers and sitting down to experience this experience together, you know, in the darkness mm-hmm. curated experience. I think it's always going to be around like books are still around um, when they don't really need to. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I, I shouldn't say that because I love books, but they right. don't. We have the internet. We can read yeah. off the internet. It's yeah. all there, you know, like physical things are amazing, but it's all there. And so it's the same thing with films. I think there's always going to be the diehard people that make it and are yeah. really into it. But I think that that's changing quite a bit. So you never know though. It's like, yeah, it's hard to tell yeah. really. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I could definitely see the, the kind of like, if they ever fix the wooziness problem yes. I had with the Oculus. And I mean, I mean, I loved, um, the more kind of story, like story geared video games. Like I loved Last of Us by Naughty Dog. Um, mm, yeah. All of that stuff. It felt like such a great experience, yet. you know? Yeah. And so, um, so I, I, I totally buy that. Um, but I do think that, um, like, uh, my, my hesitance with the movie thing is that I am attached to the movie format, you know? Mm. Like, actually, I was just talking to this, uh, with, um, one of the technology folks at work. And he was saying how he just read like this article about how they tested 48 frames per second with uh, on like high school students, like younger people. And they like loved it because they thought it was like, it's so it's like, we're standing right there. But then to us, it reminds us of like, you know, like of days of our lives or something like soaps. Like it's like too crisp and weird looking. Yeah. And it's like, it's one of those moments when I was like, Oh man, we're doomed, like, man. Like we're getting old and this is like, and they all love this stuff and it's gross it's too crazy. I don't like it. Like, <laughs> so I, I do understand there might be an element of that as well. There's definitely like, nostalgia is getting in the way. Yeah. What are you going to say, Andrew? I like 48 frames a second. You would really? like 48 frames. You freeze. Transformers 4 as well. Uh, I don't not like Transformers. I don't like it. <laughs> okay. But like, it, right. my, I like, I like it. 48 Transformers because it's like, on. it, it marks like a at least like a new frontier, you know, it's oh, like, okay. and don't say that instead <laughs> of like trying to recapture the past. I think it's cool <laughs> to kind of blaze a new trail. Sure. I'm just like a big Peter Jackson fan too. So whenever like he was starting to do all the 48 frames for the Hobbit, I was like, hell yeah, Peter Jackson, <laughs> do your thing. Dude, he oh is. I'm like, pass, pass, oh, Peter. Yeah. Come on, let's get back yeah, to this. I actually have to, I have to, I have to, agree with um the past because i watched the hobbit and there was this one scene where gandalf is obviously talking but the set looks so similar all around and kind of weird that i couldn't find him on the screen and i got so annoyed i know exactly like you framed this shot i know the senior is it when he's talking to uh radagast before he goes into doggle door yeah like you thought the exact same thing like you frame this perfectly where there's an empty bridge and i'm staring at this empty yeah. bridge and you put gandalf in like a bush like to yeah. the like <laughs> so, why I, every time i watch that i think where is he right now it's like I, a very it, it's weird the show. worst and yeah. it's like it's it's one, one of those moments where i'm like peter jackson Please, you know this. There's, there, know there's a lot of directors, this. though, right? Isn't there? Yeah. There's like multiples. It's not it's not just Peter, right? Oh, it's uh, just Peter. Yeah. I don't know. Man. No, I've heard that there's multiple directors on these things, though. There's like on five the directors or something. Oh, like they that. have like second unit directors and stuff. But they have like five of them, though. 
I well, there was two main units. I watched all the documentaries. Maybe a so second like, unit or something. Yeah, it's like yeah, fourth Andy unit. Andy Serkis was the second unit director for uh, all the Hobbit oh, movies. I see that kind of explains everything. Yeah, yeah. slacking, slacking. <laughs> uh, you never know. It's I've heard I've heard so many stories about that because I know people that. Weta and just people in general that have worked on those things too. So yeah. yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I mean, nostalgia is really, you gotta be cautious of it, you know, and be aware of what it does to your decision-making. But at the same time, um, who gives a fuck because it's what you want to make, you know? So it's like, <laughs> right, if you're true. into that shit, there's, there's, gives a there's shit. literally going to be something for everybody. There is, yeah. especially now. So. How many people are on this earth? 8 million or 8 billion. I mean, there's, Right. You could, it's like, that's one thing I was thinking about the other day. There's so many people on this planet now. It's just ridiculous. Like you mm-hmm. could, you could, like the amount of money and effort and things that make the world go around. It was really crazy. Like an anomaly 50 years ago. Damn, you're a millionaire. That's the shit. Like millionaires are everywhere now. You know why? Because there's fucking billions of people spending money. It's like not <laughs> uncommon. And so right. when you take that into account, it's like, yeah, of course there's a fucking hundred thousand people that love uh, my, my little pony or bronies or something. You know, like, <laughs> of course there's bronies, you know, like that. Yeah. it makes sense that there's a whole economy based off this like cartoon thing that men love, you know, it's like, yeah. there's something for everybody. There really is. And I think something to take from this conversation is like, if you find yourself loving something that n- nobody else does, which Andrew does all the time, then just enjoy <laughs> that and keep following that. Cause who gives a shit? Yeah. You be you. Yeah. It could be you, Andrew, even though it upsets me every time you speak. No, <laughs> <He's> like, oh. <laughs> yeah. uh, Andrew, did you have any other questions? I, I know uh, I'd love to keep going forever. I do have to kick off here in a, in a second here, but I really wanted to make sure that Andrew, if there's anything that uh, you had questions or I, I mean, we can talk about like advice for people. I'd love to hear what you have to say if you have anything. Yeah, from- I mean, that's that was pretty much where I was about to head. Like any advice for students or people trying to break into what you're doing? Oh, man. Um, Everybody's think- listening. <laughs> Make it good. Don't fuck no, up. They made it through an hour and a half. That's pretty good. They deserve something good, but they- I don't know if I can deliver. Deliver um, it. I think one of, I guess one of the things that um, I've come to realize is more important than anything else when it comes to doing this type of a job specifically, like as a visitor artist, is understanding um, where you fit in. Not 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 saying you're like that whole you're a gear and a machine type of thing, but just contextually understanding how what you're doing will contribute to the film. Because at, at some point, it's no longer about making pretty art; it's about presenting an idea or um, solving a problem that will help the, you know, the production and hopefully on the way you get to do some cool art, but it always has to be, there always has to be some sort of context with it. And, and it shouldn't ever be done in a vacuum. Like there should be story involved and just, so, so I guess what I'm saying is um, I feel like as a visitor artist, 50% of the job is thinking about um, how, like, you know, how you can contribute and just, pitching different ideas and then and then there's like another te- good 10 percent where it's a little bit of a mind reading thing too where you're supposed to you should understand what people are asking for even if they can't verbalize it um and i and i feel that way a lot of the times especially with my directors um because because sometimes um he's not sure what he wants and it's my job to communicate a task to the artist to present him with options you know and and that part i feel like gets a little bit lost in the never ending journey to just be a better technical artist at art school. Everybody's trying to do 
um, a super well painted painting or super well drawn this or that, but it all kind of has to go back to the to the context of the story or what it's um, intended for. Because there's a bunch of pretty art in my portfolio that I have that I did that actually doesn't help the production at all. Like it didn't, and it's it all helps is myself in the portfolio. Um, but then there's 80% of my portfolio of like, I broke down this truck to every piece so that modeling could model every single piece, you know, um, yeah. or, or things like that. That's, that's like, you know, the less glamorous part of this stuff, but super necessary. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's what's up. That's high level thinking too. And I think that's the way of approaching things and it really, uh, the ideas are really important and not just thinking about the image that you're creating, but also the ideas and the voice that you're about to have too. sounds like too, when you're in, in a kind of a cool flux too, when I hear what you're talking about, your interests and stuff. So you're already, mm-hmm. you've already, from my perspective and just this brief encounter with you is that you've already been able to, you know how to make a good image. That's obvious. And you understand how to, and you've, you've been on projects that have made amazing images. So now it's like, okay, what am I going to dig into next? Like where, where does this rabbit hole lead to? Like, where does Alice go in this wonder, you know, this wonderland, you know, and I'm curious to see. So you're here now. What are, where are you in five years? This will be the last question, but what do you think you're, what are your goals at five years? Are you thinking you're going to, where are you going to be? I actually have no idea. I mean, um, there are some things that I know that I'm going to keep on doing. Uh, Hopefully I'll keep on working in animation. Um, whether that means at Paramount or somewhere else, I'm not really sure. But but uh, but one of the things that I've been doing recently that I've been super excited about is doing more work as kind of a freelance illustrator for comics and other types of things because it's just so different than what I normally do. Like you're in a movie for, for two years, three years, whatever it is, and it's just such a long process. But then for like comic books, I'll get an assignment and two weeks later it's like over and I got like one round of notes and it's, um, and it's just so much fun. It's like <laughs> yeah, very contrast. relaxing, you know, but so who knows? Like I, I kind of, I'm the type of person that's a little bit greedy. Like I want to try everything and do everything. Um, I, I pretty much never say no to, to opportunities. And so, um, and, and that's just because I, I, I'm, I just get antsy. I just can't not do anything. And so, um, hopefully I'll just be trying new stuff. I mean, I'm really into this idea of, um, you know, being like doing a, a comic though, like on my own in my spare time. Mm. So maybe I'll do something with that. I'm not really sure. You should. That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, let me know if you need any help. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to it. Well, thank you personally for me. I am just really stoked and it's been really awesome. I love, you know, I have the art of books and I saw your name and then I was searching your work and I've and then the paper man thing and all that stuff. And um, it's just, it's really, it's always, like I said, it's, it's a real pleasure for me as, as uh, a fan, uh, to be able to talk and have a really cool conversation. So I appreciate your time and I'm looking, really looking forward to, to, to seeing what you build next and being inspired. So yeah, thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. No, it was awesome. This is super fun. Yeah. Thank you so much. And how can people get access to you? Can they, are you on Twitter? I know you mentioned you're pretty active on social media. So you have your Instagram and your Twitter and all that stuff. Oh uh, yeah, it's uh, it's yeah. I mean, if you just Google my first name because it's pretty unique, um, you'll you'll find me. It's Mingju. It's not, yeah, it, yeah, it's not hard at all. Is that do you go by Mingju or Helen? 
I go by Helen, but I chose to include Mingju and everything because it is so easily Google Googleable. Google-able. I don't know if that's Googleable. And and for the longest time, I was in this kind of like I don't I know this is really weird and it might make me sound super self involved, but I was in this freaking Google war with another Helen Chen who makes like <laughs> cooking books and like walks and shit. And I was like, I'm tired of competing with your amazing walk lady. So I decided to include Mingju in my in my name. <laughs> Uh, the Google prowess. Yeah, I know. We, we understand that too. So it's okay. <laughs> well, I it's was like status like, stuff. Like, oh, if I can't win, win over this other Helen Chen, I might as well just be Mingju Helen Chen and fine, you know? There's a walk but, master Helen Chen? No, she seriously, Helen Chen's Asian Kitchen. Um, oh, okay. You should look her up because apparently she makes great food and great cookware so I try know. and battle that shit I, yeah i know I, I art's like how not the last shit question, compared to food <laughs> i know I, I like how the last question is um plug yourself and i just plug this other lady that I've been <laughs> for the last three years. yeah so everybody not follow you let's follow the <laughs> awesome yeah. well okay so uh, it's ming jude helen chen we'll also yeah. have links on the website too mm-hmm. so if you're, yeah. anybody's interested and um is it possible for people if anybody had questions you are you an email email kind of person or is it kind of a hard thing for you to manage uh, i'm actually terrible at emails yeah um, i don't don't but, email but, then <laughs> but just follow you from afar via yeah, instagram uh, and, and it's not just, it's not i mean it's not just exclusively people asking like I, I think i have i still have like um some some con- like contracts i have to sign for dc that i haven't done in like four weeks so i'm just terrible at it in general but if you <laughs> kind of like tweet at me sometimes i'll reply on time i don't know i'm i'm just if she's if she if, the, if she allows it all right people no, no, I'm, like just, I'm just no i'm just messing no it's you're busy yeah. you got a lot of stuff going on i like to ask just so people that might want to and they're like well you didn't email me be realistic about it so like oh you know you if you aren't good at emails and that's better to know that so people can yeah, follow I mean, you from I afar if i can't email back to get paid on time i'm not like yeah. that's pretty bad yeah right? so. <laughs> okay well that's good then we'll just make sure that we have the twitter feed and everything that just and totally reminded me i do have to sign this contract though so thank you <laughs> yeah get to that then well thank you so much i really appreciate it and uh yeah have uh, best of luck on your newest project and i'm really looking forward to what you have in store with all your awesome talents so yeah, <laughs> thank you so much and that does it for this week's episode. Big thank yous to Mingju for coming on the show and sharing her time with us this week. You can find links to her work and all of the show notes for this week's episode at thecollectivepodcast.com slash 125, along with links to our Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes podcast page. Have an amazing day, everybody. Be powerful. Be prolific. Peace out.